0: Hello guys, welcome back to the Boredrop Podcast. What episode are we on now? 65. Oh my god, we are flying through. Big shout out. Do you not remember out. me dropping
1: the 64, 64 oh, yeah. last episode? Come on. That was last episode. Yeah, wow. well it we did the um,
0: striker tier list. Shout out everyone watching that. That did pretty decent. Yeah, exciting times. Big shout out to all the new subscribers. We do appreciate it. It's a bit unreal seeing the numbers rise. How we love
1: every single one of you. I'll give you a big old kiss if I saw you.
0: But uh, yeah, if you guys aren't already, get involved with the Gabriel Martinelli shirt giveaway. Will he be back in the starting line, do you think?
1: They said he wants to be back for the
0: City game. So this weekend could be the end of the giveaway. Who knows? Um, Could Gabriel Martinelli score and bring glory to... Is that the Emirates? It is at the Emirates. To the Emirates. Who knows? But yeah, if you guys aren't already, get involved with our Gabriel Martinelli shirt giveaway. All you got to do is follow us, AFTV, on Twitter and also subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you want the T's and C's, DM us. And it's simple as. And you can get yourself in with a chance of winning a signed Gabriel Arsenal. My guy's going to win the
1: Ballon you, d'Or mate. one day. So you're going to have a Ballon d'Or winning player's shirt. On exactly. Your so you'd be stupid
0: not to enter It's simple as... Uh, But yeah, what a weekend of football. So I'm absolutely outrageous results in the Premier League. Big teams losing. Do you know what we had an absolute stinker on? On the corridor. Shout out Corridor of Uncertainty. So we
1: hopped on their podcast. Check it out if you haven't on Spotify. We did a all-time Premier League draft quality stuff. And at the end of that, they do a predictions league where you get given five fixtures for the week coming up. And you got to predict uh, the scores, obviously. And um, you get a point for if you get the correct result and two points if you get the correct score do you know what we got we start I think we got one each we got one point each one point each it, I was on for two points for the Arsenal game and then they scored in like the 90th minute to get make it 4-0 because I had 3-0 for that yeah but. the
0: only result we predicted correct was the Arsenal game the rest was so we, bad we didn't predict Villa yeah we Who predicted would've? Brighton
1: win we predicted Man United win
0: no we predicted oh, we uh, did Everton, e- win. Everton win yeah. we predicted Chelsea win I think yeah. or you oh, we, pre- we both predicted Fulham draw uh, that uh, was it a draw. Chelsea draw yeah, yeah.
1: So bad, so bad from us. But as you know, if you're a day one of the
0: podcast, our predictions are usually shit. So don't hold us to that. And also, who could have predicted what would unfold in this weekend's or the yeah, weekend's just gone nuts, to be football? Um, we'll start with the uh, early kickoff on Saturday. The one kicking off this game week. Never back the early kickoff. Aston Villa 6, Brighton 1. Ollie Watkins bagging a tasty little hat trick in front of Gareth Southgate putting his name right in the spotlight for contention. Um, And Unai Emery, masterclass. Mate, the geezer is different. I think he's got De Zerbi's number. I think that's a couple
1: of good results he's had over De Zerbi. And um, who should we start? Should we talk about why Villa are so good? Or should we talk about why Brighton every now and then do get a pump in?
0: Let's talk about Brighton. I think that's... Get out of that quickly. We'll we'll get over that and we'll get into why Villa are so good. Because I think a lot of people were talking about Brighton the outcome of this game. But not yeah. Villa credit. Brighton are so good all the time and occasionally... Everton last apart.
1: season, West Ham at the start of this season and now Villa, they'll and play the, teams off the, the park. The, uh, and in the Europa League. But that was like a slightly rotated squad. But yeah, they'll play teams off the park. They'll play big teams off the park. You see they play Arsenal off the park at the end of last season. Man United, they've got the number over. Um, yeah, they're they're a really good side. So why does every now and then... They just get an abs... It's not even like
0: a loss. It's, it's a pumping. Yeah, and it's it's very simple. I mean, they play one style of football. Mm. It's an outrageous, attacking, high energy, very systemic style of football. But when it goes wrong and the teams come, they come up against hit them on the counter, mm. they struggle to sort of reset and take the game a different way, mm. I think. Yeah, Because Aston Villa for the most part, sat back, hit them on the counter. Asperger had some very impressive passages of play. Yeah. Really impressive. But we saw that against Everton last season as well. They sat back, they hit them on the counter. I think Brighton dominated the ball in that game. Brighton dominated the ball against West Ham. Mm. Sat back, hit them on the counter. I think they're so ingrained in this one style of play and it's obviously so such a difficult style to get working mm, yeah. correctly. You are due some results when this happens. Like you're gonna you're gonna this is gonna happen to you when yeah. you play so aggressively with such energy. Do you know what I mean? You're asking your defenders and your, your midfielders to take crazy risks when keeping the ball under pressure, deep yeah. in your own half. You're leaving yourself vulnerable and sometimes it's gonna go wrong for you. And especially in a game like this where they were three 0 down within about twenty minutes. Yeah,
1: facts. And I was listening to Unai Emery after the game and he was saying that he's played Brighton and tried the high line and you just get passed about. So he, specifically this game, sat a bit deeper and like congested the midfield. Aston Villa are really good at congesting the midfield anyway because they play quite a narrow formation. But I think the narrow formation and the congested midfield helped massively in this game because you've got Billy Gilmore who's very decent when he's on the ball but physically not like super good. And they started... um, an eight, nineteen, or 18 year old mm-hmm. called like Hornshaw or something mm-hmm. like that for his first game and so as a midfield that's brave that's two young players that aren't physically going to match Douglas Luiz aren't physically going to match um, Kamara aren't going to physically match um, John McGinn so if you get them in a physical battle and the Aston Villa players win the transition uh, win the ball win the ball back and start a transition quickly you can catch and if they play like over the top or round the back ball, Starley Watkins, who is always going to run the line, and the army. mate, you're in for a winner. And um, I, mean, I like what yeah. you said
0: there. As soon as the, there's a turnover in play, and Aston to get the ball, that bright midfield is instantly overrun. <laughs> mm. The Clark Douglas Davies is one of the most underrated players, not just in the Premier League but in world football. Yeah, he goes about his business so like I quietly. Think he's good. so so good. Yeah, McGinn as well. Unbelievable! I think he's starting to get his plaudits, which is great mm. to see. I think he just needs to provide a bit more output in terms of yeah, his yeah, game. But he's an outrageous player, and he's a player that you don't notice until he goes until he's not in the team.
1: Yeah, he's one of those players that like Conor Gallagher that, and I I'm warming to Conor Gallagher because I was watching um, Chelsea play Fulham last night, and if you look at just the stats, Conor Gallagher didn't do too much in way of like uh, output, but I, he just runs for days. And John McGinn's one of those players that just runs for days and if both of them McGinn and gallagher can add a bit of output which McG- uh, gallagher had in that crystal palace season if i can get output in their game the way they run around plus that output they
0: they're crazy assets crazy crazy um but yeah let's talk a little bit about ollie watkins he seems like a man possessed since since una emery's come in it's clear that he's worked with him i think he's even said in interviews the way that he's sort of gone about it, he doesn't want him running the channels anymore. Yeah, he yeah. wants to put him himself in goal scoring positions. He looks incredible. And he, I was listening to the um, the rest of football podcast earlier, and they were saying he's not a naturally gifted finisher.
1: Mm. He he's a little bit. Uh, all the football hipsters say "profligate"
0: in front of goal. That means wasteful. I I'd probably agree with that. But he puts, he's getting better he he creates so many chances for himself by being in such good positions and he's got all the aff- attributes of, of such a top athlete he's strong he's yeah. fast he's powerful and he's got a, he's good IQ sometimes he snatches in front of goal yeah but um, he is he's really good well really, you see even really like good.
1: was it his second goal where he got the ball wide took a couple of players on and then kind of scuffed his shot but the scuff helped because he sent everybody the wrong direction and went in the bottom corner He is a little bit snatchy in front of goal still, but that'll come because he's still young and he hasn't been playing this lone striker role for long. He's probably played it a couple of seasons now. I mean,
0: initially he was coming in off the wing, wasn't he? Exactly.
1: He's grown up as a winger, so to move from that to the lone striker role, kids become a striker from early and then they get calm in front of goal and then as they break into the first team, they're not as like shit the bed when they're in front of goal. But if you late develop as a striker takes time to get calm in front of goal it's a it's a big skill
0: yeah I, where does this put him in contention for uh, an England spot because at the minute England you would think we're blessed with strikers but obviously Harry Kane's the starting striker mm. then you've got maybe like sort of a bracket with Ivan Toney well, Callum at Wilson list. so we had Ivan Tony, and next and and then the next English striker after that
1: was Callum Wilson and then the next English striker was Ollie Watkins. Do we I, stick by
0: that? I probably think so. I, I feel th- like the
1: FA are just going to go nowhere near Ivan Tony. I don't know though.
0: Like, th- if he's done, he it, if he's done his time, and, and he gets like a big six move, which looks likely, he, uh, you'd be stupid to turn yeah. it away. There's players in playing in other national teams who have done far worse things. Facts. So let's not pretend that he, yeah he had some betting issues. But you literally have a Premier League full of teams with betting sponsors. The most profitable football based game is literally betting. He's FIFA spitting. FIFA is literally a betting game. I've on, Ultimate team is gambling. Fuck FIFA, the game. It's, not even FIFA it's in anymore. the game. <laughs> it's in the game. But um yeah, it's it's everywhere. Yeah. So I think that's a discussion for another day. Yeah. Um That's what I did my um dissertation on. Football gambling. Didn't you do a graphics degree?
1: Yeah, I did like the kind of how betting apps kind of entice gamblers and like the football kind of sphere around that
0: if this uh, if this episode gets 100 likes Roz will release his dissertation <laughs> <laughs> don't try us he will do it um, but yeah Unai Emery since he's come over and uh, taken the reins of Aston Villa he has turned them into sort of an understated powerhouse I think
1: yeah I was going to put in here oh no I did put in here Champions League contenders absolutely not Oh, I had them in my predictions if I remember rightly for the start of season, and I was a bit ballsy, and then kind of was like, "Oh, why did I do that?" I had them finishing fifth. I think I had them taking Spurs' position, who I had Spurs in like ninth. I probably regret that a little bit now.
0: I think but maybe, maybe sixth, seventh, eighth is probably as high as I've I I had them.
1: Really good. And another person I want to touch on while we're talking about Gareth Southgate and England calls up uh, call ups, Ezri Konsa.
0: I love Ezri Konsa. He's outrageous. So
1: good. I think what is like what bodes super well for him is that he's the right sided centre back. England aren't blessed with a lot of right sided centre backs. You've got John Stones, and then we kind of shoehorn Kyle Walker into that right sided centre back option. And then we've got like a plethora of left sided centre backs. You've got Gaye, you've got Maguire, you got Tomori, Colwell, Tomori, Dunk. If you get Esri Konsa as the backup for Johnny Stones, I like that. I like that a lot. I don't know why he's never had a look in. Because he's been doing it consistently for a couple of seasons now. I yeah. know Villa under Gerard were a bit shite, so maybe you could discount that. But since Unai Emery's
0: came in, he's been quality. You know what happened? Is Tyron needs to get a call up before he will. Yeah. And he's a left sided centre back. So, um, yeah, Villa, I think that they ended the season really strong last year and they went on like this crazy run. I think it yeah. was only second to Man City's run. And I think since um, Unai Emery's taken over, Ollie Watkins has the third highest. Yeah. goals scored in the Premier League I think I heard that behind yeah. Haaland and Salah I want to say yeah something I, along those lines and, that, that's, and that, that's all testament to sort of the work that's going on behind the scenes we spoke to Jamie on um, uh, one of our podcasts previously who brought up a good point Aston Villa's owners are very ambitious yeah very ambitious yeah so it's exciting times to be a Villa fan I mean they've got European 100%. competition their first out in Europe didn't go too uh, well for them well, their most recent outing, yeah, like to say
1: against Legia Warsaw, yeah, yeah.
0: But um, it's a different beast, isn't it? European competition. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to add to this conversation? Nah, I just like what they're doing. I think they've got a nice little
1: squad. I think they've got decent little squad depth as well. Because I was kind of comparing them to Brighton, who are, they're up, like in similar positions. They're both teams that want to try and break into the top six. Both of them had good finishes last season. Both of them got European competition. So this was kind of a good barometer to see like how they're coping with European football plus having expectations on them. And a 6-1 result is quite telling that I think Villa have a lot better depth in their squad. They can kind of handle the European competitions a bit better than Brighton. And yeah, I don't know. I I, I worry about Brighton, not in a sense that like they're not going to do well this season. I think they will do well. But if I was a fan, I'd worry about these kind of irregular pumpings. We do not support irregular pumpings. No, if you're going to get pumped, make it regular, mate. And
0: too fat you get it on the score sheet though?
1: Yeah. Yeah, could have had a couple of goals actually. But um, yeah, it is what it is. It is what it is. I think right. that comes with having too many kind of young players that they're trying to bed in. That's like Brighton's model is buy young, make a name for them and then sell them on. And if you're doing that with a lot of people at the same time... You're lacking that experience. You're lacking that experience. I mean, but they sometimes that, to make that up for all will. that experience, <laughs> didn't they? Some teams that, sometimes that team of young kids will get pumped because you can't... Let's move
0: on. <laughs> <laughs> right. Liverpool-Spurs, oh, the most controversial okay. game probably of the season. Of the
1: 21st century, mate. They're all what?
0: fucking good morning Britain. Oh. How wet that is. The I Liverpool fans stop. have
1: complained so much that... They've somehow made it a case on Good Morning Britain. Good Morning Britain shit anyway. But why is football getting talked about on Good Morning Britain? Yeah, where's the pedigree? You've got Ed Balls and... What's that? What's the lass's name? Sue? It's not Sue. I don't watch it, mate. Well, that's what I do when I start work. Got
0: Good Morning Britain on. Um, But what's Ed Balls talking about football for? I just want to start by saying I think I was surprised most in this game by Jurgen Klopp's reaction was calm he was calm yeah I think at this point he's just dead inside <laughs> yeah but um this game Liverpool were hard done by even with nine men to lose in the 90 whatever minute it stinks the own goal was outrageous yeah but they if this game had finished one all the controversy would be still the same yeah and Liverpool's defensive efforts would have been talked about yeah because that's something that they've uh, failed to applaud it for recently. And, Agreed. And over the last season or so, um, but yeah, the game didn't finish one all. And Spurs have done it again, another ninety-plus minute winner. They sort of turned around that their hoodoo against Liverpool, and uh, yeah. they had all the luck in this game. Let's start by talking about the red card, the first one.
1: Yeah, I'm seeing people say that it's not a red card. I saw so I was watching the Chelsea Fulham game last night and Jamie Carragher was having a moan. Of course he was, about how the refs get shown everything in slow mo and he was like, the referee obviously was gonna red card Curtis Jones because he got the still image of Curtis Jones's studs up on Basuma's ankle. Of course he's gonna red card him. Why didn't the referee get it shown in real speed? And I was like fair enough show him it in real speed but you've still got to show him that picture because he is literally about to break
0: Basuma's ankle yeah I think do you know what it's It's a hard, It's a harsh red because hear me out hear me out it's a harsh red because I think five like six seven times out of ten he gets the ball away cleanly mm. and he's playing that sort of like two three times where unfortunately because he's going in at that level it's an ankle level and you can't have your foot down going in like that because you're going to break your own ankle you have to show studs up a little bit it's rolled the ball and it's caught for it is a red card but you know what you're going to get when you go into a tackle like that yeah it's
1: just like the moment that your studs are touching that high on an opponent's legs you're asking to be booked and that opponent's legs are pretty much planted in the ground like you're going like there's either you get lucky like he did and his leg like kind of
0: goes off to the side Because if you go straight through him, you're breaking his leg. Yeah, 100%. So, yeah, for me, that is a red card. It was probably unnecessary. Um, Let's then move on to probably the biggest controversy in the game. Luis Diaz. He makes an outrageously timed run. Cristiano Romero is somehow doing some sort of stretching, keeping him well on side. By a couple of yards. And, um, yeah, VAR... Apparently, PGMOL thought the goal had been awarded and decided not to overturn the referee's decision. I don't know how much of that I actually believe. I think they're making it up.
1: Yeah, so I I kind of didn't really... I was out at the time, so I watched it back and then watched Jamie Carragher's analysis of it. And apparently... So, the, the goal gets disallowed, and then there's like seven seconds where... PGM, PGMOL doing a like another check and they clock that they've got it wrong. But apparently in the rules it says that once the game... So Spurs get the free kick for offside and they play on. Apparently once the game has restarted, the referee isn't allowed to re-stop it to give the goal. It's, counts.
0: it's like phases of play, isn't it?
1: And that's why Liverpool want the audio released because they want to hear if... Um, between the referee and uh, the VAR people they have found out they've made a mistake
0: and then said to the ref you can't return this game over and also but also in the statement they released I'm pretty sure they said that they thought the on goal the on field decision was a goal mate are you not watching the game your job is literally to sit there yeah and watch the screens and then advise the referee how do you not know what is going on it's mental because have you seen what happens when people score a goal have you seen what happens? People celebrate. Yeah. You know what's mad? Is sometimes I will, I'll
1: watch football, but I'll be like be on my phone or something. And I'm still more clued in to the game and what's going on than these refs who are paid specifically to watch the game. And that's all they're doing. And they're not as tuned in as someone that's like dicking about, watching it, dicking about.
0: Can I, still I, take the game I actually, do you know if PGMOL, do they? Because I'm pretty sure they have three people advised to one game. Three people behind the scenes working on one game. If you have three people who can't see an offside that is clear as day onside, what 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 are they good for? I don't like. I don't want to attack them personally. Yet, I did, but genuinely, what are you good for? Because that is as blatant as it gets. You have absolutely undermined any integrity that VAR had left and it was dwindling fast. This season has been nothing short of a catastrophe for VAR Agreed. and I think it's time. It's time to go! Earth,
1: Get rid of it! Um, I agree. I think, so I'll keep going back to Jamie Carragher. He says VAR is at a crisis point and I agree. I think it's as bad as it's ever been and how can something that was implemented with kind of no basis or foundation and was like will grow into it. How are we growing into it? But it's getting worse. Worse. Like, we've got more time, more experience with it, more exposure to it. And it's worse. It's a car crash. It's so bad. And what I want to talk about, so I saw a tweet and it was like, how would you fix VAR if you were given a choice? And I jokingly just tweeted, um, stop hiring fat bald men from Manchester. Kind of like a joke that all referees are white dons from the UK. Why don't we, and I think we've said this on the pod, as the best league in the world, with the most money, with the most eyes, with players from around the world that are the best, we cherry-pick them, we take them. Why don't we cherry-pick and take the best referees?
0: Because I don't think they want to be here. Money. Money talks. We would pay them more than Do you know we should where they there? wherever they are. That's let why they're worried about Saudi. Let Saudi come in and take all these balding men. I said it. Bald white Shit. men. Let Simon Hooper them. off. And then we can give 90% of money to be into good referees. Yeah,
1: I agree. Simon Hooper, start learning Arabic, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> referee <laughs> tier list, come <coming laughs> soon. Come on! That's a little motive, you know. Um, Simon Hooper's the only one I know because he was one from the Liverpool game at the moment. I'm going
0: to have Keith Stroud straight in. What's like a tier below learn Arabic? What's
1: a uh, Jaluigi per- 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 Perigi, the oh, bald mate, Italian he, dog.
0: He'd be the... He's the, the goat. He's the goat. Um, the goat. But yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: Simon Hooper, buddy,
0: start learning Arabic. Yeah, um, it. I don't see where this where it goes from here because um, what's his name on Sky Sports who does the referee? Oh VAL? Dermot, is it Dermot, Dermot G- Kennedy Gallagher? Gallagher, oh, Dermot. Dermot, Dermot Gallagher. Yeah. yeah, fair play to him because he comes out and just gets bollocked for like forty minutes. He's straight. a melt as well. But my God, that. I just. He just sits there and he's like, well, in the laws of the game, well, mate, perhaps you. Change look, the laws of the game, The then. laws of the game are clearly not <laughs> working. <laughs> yeah, You've yeah. just got it so wrong. And then they're going, well, why couldn't the referee just go over to Klopp and, and post the Cogler and say, look, guys, we've got it horrifically wrong. Do with that what you will. Because <laughs> I, I think that's. Sure, that a cheat Klopp up. But, like. It, do you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah,
1: it's... We just need to be aware of what's going on. It's weirder, because now there's kind of like this theory, this kind of, that PGMOL and VAR knew that the mistake had been made, and there's like a cover-up to not let people know that they made the mistake. Of course it is. Just own up. Say you made a mistake that's going to be less toxic than everybody now kind of getting their tinfoil hats on and
0: being like, there's a fucking scandal, there's a... Bloody cover up! If they just, if they, if they just gave us some transparency into what was going on behind the scenes, mm. I, 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 don't see how that is difficult to implement. It's the biggest league in the world. Facts. The other thing is, the VAR technology used at the Qatar World Cup for offside was perfect. Yeah, why have we not? Name me one yet? VAR controversy from the I world actually world can Cup. remember none. Part- exactly. Yeah. Exactly. None. Why have we turned that down? There was a, the Premier League got offered it and turned it down. They've added extra cameras. But the cameras don't matter if, if the guys looking at them are blind or stupid. Just get robots to do it, which is what the Qatar World Cup pretty much yeah. is. It's just robots that figure out the line. The line. And they put a wall up. And, and it... that was it. Clear as day. Show that on the screen. Get the referee to tell you what he's you doing. You know why they haven't done that? It's because
1: that would throw these bald white men out of jobs. Yeah, 100%. Mate, they're not good enough. They could, one robot could do the job about 20 of these dons and they're scared about it. I,
0: I, I actually think We should. This is a good idea for a video, yeah? Come on. We go into a pub and we get three random blokes, yeah? Drinking they have Stella, to have hair. Drinking Stella, yeah? yeah? And we put them in a room and we let them watch a Premier League game live and we ask them to make decisions. We don't give them any audio and we have to blur out the lines when anything that's going on. Blur out the referee. And we get them to make decisions as it happens. I guarantee they get more right than VAR. Mad. 100%. Because they are stupid sometimes maybe
1: good sometimes maybe she Spurs are doing well though yeah it's a it's a buzzing result for Spurs like you I think Spurs I tweeted this during the game that when it was 10 men and they were pushing for the win it was like a must win but like if you get a one all against Liverpool for Spurs that's quite good because they've had bad times there when it was nine men it was like this is you've got to get three points here or it's a failure. Because and they were fortunate. And to do it fortunately, we could probably read into that. They probably should have found a way around them. And this plus the Sheffield United game, why is it taking them so long to break teams down? Maybe we we'll look into that. But on the kind of service level, three points against Liverpool is bloody like buzzing for them. Yeah.
0: Unbeaten still. Happy days. Only Arsenal and Spurs unbeaten in the Premier League at the minute. Um Liverpool, what's going on?
1: I think for me. My main problem with Liverpool at the moment is still that they haven't got a defensive midfielder in there. They didn't start this game... like I, They brought Endo in. I think it was just to kind of appease fans after the Saicedo palaver. They brought Endo in. And as much as I don't think he's the solution...
0: He's got to be better than... He's nothing. the
1: only one with a defensive mind in that midfield. You've got Gravenbeck, who maybe can do it. Probably not that well. He probably wants to be a bit more attacking. And then in a midfield three of... McAllister Shabozle and Curtis Jones none of them have a defensive bone in their
0: body I don't they're trying to play like McAllister's his DM yeah and that's just not gonna work you're asking for him just to get red cards yeah. is what you're asking that's for that's basically all that so happens.
1: yeah for my main issue with them like you can talk about the defence they've got injuries no Trent I think he was back towards the end of that game but yeah I think there's just no one with a defensive mind in that midfield back in the day when they were good quick in transition they had Fabinho and and Jordan Henderson, defensively minded to cover for Trent. They've gone from that to no one with a defensive mind. See, they
0: removed like, Jordan Henderson's stuff from the uh, did, training they? ground and mind. from the stadium. Apparently something big went on behind the scenes there. Um, I thought he was still pally-pally with Klopp. Maybe it's with the higher-ups. Yeah, perhaps. We will never know. Because there is no transparency in football. And it's killing the game. Um, right, should we move on to talk about... One result, which really upset the equilibrium. Hello, title race. That Korean guy. That Korean guy. That Korean guy up top. Huang is a guy, man. He's oh, he, so good. That first season, he when was... When he broke going, on. I got him in then he got fantasy. loaned out last season. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I don't know. When he first broke in, I had him on fantasy from early. And I was like, this guy's a little bit of a menace. And he just was so good. And I've always fought this with Wolves. They've got attacking some very good assets. Like, we kind of rinse Mateus Cunier a little bit. But I think, yes, he's a bit profligate in front of goal. That's a word of the day, boys. But he does put a lot of effort in. He's in that kind of ilk with Conor Gallagher and John McGinn. They're runners. They're workers. And around them, if you've got people that are clinical in front of goal, Pedro Neto, Huang, there is a nice little unit there. And I think, obviously... Pedro Neto
0: is unbelievable. Yeah, he's due a big six move. He is Top tier, he
1: is one of the best wingers in the Prem winger tier list. Have we done that? I think we did like a top 10 wingers, it? but yeah, yeah maybe. Um, yeah, so I think Wolves have something. Obviously, no one expected them to beat Man City, and we can talk about why Man City were a
0: little bit meh. I think from the days of like Nuno Espirito Santo, they've had Man City's number, they're a bit like Man City's bogey team, yeah. They? I back it. Um, I, ju- I, yeah, I like what they're doing. We've got
1: to respect Gary O'Neill, everyone kind of laughed at him when he took over after Scott Parker and then he got booted out by Bournemouth. Say what you want about that. We've kind of made our peace with that.
0: I wish we took him. I wish we had him.
1: Yeah, QPR could do with him. Now, how do you feel about Mickey Bill getting... <laughs>
0: <with him? laughs> oh, you moly bastard. What a little rat. He's got exactly what he deserves. But I'd have him back at QPR. <laughs> but I love you, really. No, no it's just because it can't get worse, can yeah. it? Yeah. I-, I would happily just... To say my sorry and just let him back yeah. because it can't get worse. It can't get worse. But yeah, he had a stinker at Rangers. He did. And he, he was such a little rat about it as well. He ratted on QPR basically, just absolutely snaked him after literally telling him he, he turned out a wolf because he can't be the first to jump ship. Yeah. Went to Rangers and started getting in there when Gio Van Broncos was like in a mad, like it, fighting for his life there. Started quit texting players, telling them. Oh yeah, if I was your manager, I'd be doing this with you, and then like, starting like sucking I'm you off round the back, just upsetting, Ibrox. upsetting eyebrows, mate, and weaseling his way in there because he's a little moly rat man. Fuck. <laughs> anyway, checking a comment upon.
1: Yeah, come on, you're unemployed at the moment, mate. Um, <laughs> so rude. Uh, <laughs> um, Wolves solid. What I like about them as well, yeah, Huang really good defensively. I think they've gone back to a five at the back which I think is really good. They played... It is in the DNA. Yeah, with Bruno Large. They played this... uh, 4-2. Yeah, forward back with Nathan Collins and Kilman, who are both individually pretty good. But when you are a lower half team, you've got to build from the back. You've got to be defensively sound, or you're just going to... You could score games, but you will just get pumped. And... Wolves have reset that kind of defense. Solidity is key, and I really large.
0: Like the the main issue was they couldn't score goals. Mm. Defensively, they weren't even that bad. They couldn't score goals, Mm. so it's which is weird because their quality is in the forward line.
1: Mm. Jose, sir, very good. Craig Dawson, really good. Ballon Dawson, mate. He did one tackle during the game that was so good that so it was he tackled Haaland and it was such a good tackle that gave him a high five after
0: I rate that so it, I. That, is, that is like Avengers multiverse like, I loved
1: it I was like that's when you know game recognises game
0: Earl Harlan must be buzzing why? because he got a high five off Craig Dawson oh I thought it because we put him top of our striker tier list should have been Alvarez um, but yeah Man City I'm seeing a lot of um, people similar to last year I'm seeing a lot of people talk about Erling Haaland yeah he's, he's had a couple of was it two in a row now that he hasn't scored or which is now? outrageous because let's just think about it he hasn't scored in two games and he's still and, on like
1: nine for nine or something
0: and we are thinking oh man City better without him yeah but there is a case you
1: got weirdos like this saying Alvarez should be playing up top not Erling Haaland
0: just saying man <laughs> I mean, next week, you're in for an absolute treat. Cause oh, they... yeah, he's going to sc- score a hat-trick. No, 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 no. I'm saying... Are you talking about Arsenal? Mate, they've got no Rodri. Did you see Calvin Phillips?
1: Yeah, but when Harlan hasn't scored for a few games, all you've got to do is line up little old Arsenal if you want to get back into form and drop a quick <laughs> hat-trick.
0: So that'll be fun. Yeah, I mean, for me, I I think you, there is no better time to play City. Oh, yeah, there. absolutely not. I, I actually think I would rather play them without Rodri than without Erlen Haaland.
1: Yeah, I probably agree because the drop off from Haaland to Alvarez is not as big as the drop off from Rodri to oh, Calvin Phillips.
0: It was Man City looked like a shell of themselves. They looked like there was no confidence, especially between that back line and midfield. Mm-hmm. There was there the the glue wasn't there. Calvin Phillips didn't start though. No, I know. But but, they, but Kovacic game, as yeah. well. Yeah, well, he, the problem—he's not a, he, he none he, of them a DM. He looks like a DM, yeah, but he's not. He's like a little dribbling ball carrier, and same as Mateus Nunez yeah. So there is no glue. Agreed, but and I think
1: it's just Calvin Phillips doesn't bring that confidence, does he? No, and, like Rodri, all the players in front of him can just
0: do their job without worrying. Oh shit, we've mate, got an What absolute is Pep fucking thinking? Donut well behind us, coming out saying, "Oh yeah, I can't, I couldn't do what Bielsa did with Phillips. So what? He's just going to sit there now." Yeah, you see, apparently Arsenal are uh, interested in Calvin Phillips. I don't How know if many I'd... DMs do you want?
1: More than Maria mate. Is but he yeah, better than Elneny? D- Shout out Mo, man. What a guy. But yeah, I doubt they'll sell us another one of their players. Another one.
0: Another one.
1: But um, yeah, I want to talk about them not leaking goals, but they do seem to be conceding silly goals. So we saw when they played um, Serena Schwerster in the Champions League they conceded one early doors before half time and everyone was like oh shit me and then they went and battered them two here um one against Nottingham was it no who they conceded against I don't know but yeah
0: they're conceding a lot of goals at the moment do you think it might be a result of winning the treble are are they complacent and they're not looking to up their levels which is weird because we'd never say that about a pep team like you don't win
1: four on a trot if you've got like a complacent bunch but I don't know. I we thought going into this season, keeping all their defensive unit plus adding Vardio, that they'd be even more solid. They're a little bit less. And it could be solely down to Rodri being out. Could be solely down to John Stones being out. But I don't know. I think they're right now a little bit easier to cut through than they have been.
0: Yeah, I think obviously the goal threat is still there.
1: Maybe it's no
0: good though. His defensive work
1: rate was a lot
0: better than... The likes of Phil Foden. That was going to be one of my points. I think if he was still there, he would be starting in that deeper role. Hundred yeah. percent, because he he can play it. Even though he plays sort of as that left eight for most of his career, there that deeper role we've seen him play at Dortmund for many a year, and he's got the IQ, he's got the defensive now so right about him to do hmm. it, and he'll know what he like is being asked of him. I think it's a good time for you to play him. Hundred percent. And one player I want to talk about before we move on to the final game is Phil
1: Foden this Don this bloody Don he broke onto the scene with my boy Saka he broke onto the scene with Mason Mount we can kind of leave Mason Mount out of this he hasn't progressed to the level of the other two but Phil Foden always gets talked about like he's leagues above Saka maybe he is uh, doing keepy uppies maybe he is uh, doing a flip flap on the 16 yard line but Saka and maybe this is me just doing Saka propaganda to be fair Nine times out of ten, when I watch Saka, he's the best player on the pitch. When I watch Foden, he'll have a good game every now and then. There was a season, a couple of seasons ago, where he was the main man. I think when City played Liverpool, and it was them two in the title race. And City pumped Liverpool like 5-1, and he got a hat-trick in that game. I was like, this kid is fucking nuts. But he just doesn't do it for me anymore. I have ne- I haven't watched him in about a year and thought he's the best player on the pitch.
0: Do you think he's a victim of the system? Is he a victim of Pep? Because I, I, I said je- this
1: last week about Odegaard. Is he a, system, a victim of the system or is the system a victim of him?
0: No, I, it, this there. this case it's definitely a victim of the system. I mm. think if he went and made a move to Real Madrid, I think he'd be outrageous.
1: Mm, what in that Jude role?
0: Maybe or even off of the left. In the, no, yeah, Finicius, I think I I think I think he he wants to play in a team with more. Where does he want to play? Phil, come on the pod.
1: I don't think anyone that talks about you knows where he wants to play. I don't think he probably knows where he wants to play. It'd be good to know because right now he's playing off the right with Docker off the left. When Jack Grealish is playing, it's Jack Grealish on the left and Docker on the right or Phil. Maybe go left, but he doesn't really do that anymore. Now De Bruyne is out. He's playing that kind of deeper role alongside Alvarez. That's where I think he should be playing, but he's dropping stinkers in but that I position think, at the moment. I
0: think he needs to play as like a central 10. I think there's too much congestion going on. Maybe. Because they're playing with sort of like a, a 4 behind the 1. Yeah. Like a one four one almost. Mm-hmm. It, I think there's too much congestion going on there. I think... I don't know though because he's really good in tight spaces. spaces. Yeah, that's what I was about he's to say. He's really yeah. good in the cheeky little one twos. You know what I mean, playing around it. But I think he needs to be in a team with more tactical freedom. Yeah, I agree. Where he's not limited by the system, where he's probably not. So he won't second guess himself because he's going to think, oh, if I don't, if I don't, if I, if I go and try to take on four players, and I lose the ball. I'm not starting next week. Yeah,
1: hundred percent. I think that is uh, that is you've smashed that. I think you've hit the nail on the head there because. I've seen a lot of City fans that are like Cole Palmer fans that are watching him in this Chelsea team and they're like, wow, I love what he's doing on the ball. I love his confidence. I love that he's allowed. Because in the Fulham game last night, he was sick. He was like confident on the ball. He was taking the ball and dribbling. He was turning people. He had so much time on the ball and confidence to like be that way. And I don't know if Pep allows
0: that. Well, Pep took it completely out of Jack Grealish's game when so was the last time you see Jack Gurley actually like just get the ball and constantly try and beat people so it, it,
1: it is very much a victim of the system. do you back the system and you do because you've just won the treble versus do you back one players kind of hitting their ceiling potential
0: no I think I think Phil Foden is still probably the English youngster with the most potential er
1: uh, wrong I think so right let us know um, Phil Foden, what should he do to hit his potential? Cause do you agree with me that he's slightly dwindling?
0: Phil Foe, is it time to go? Let us know. Oh. Down below. But Right, final game that I want to talk about is
1: Stinky Stinky Man United. Just take the floor, man. So seven games played in the Premier League this season, three wins, four losses. What is going on at Man United? They beat Burnley, and I saw Man United fans saying this is the turning point. Blah, blah, blah. You were actually the worst team in that game against Burnley, so take that in. And I, I said on the pod, I was like, don't get carried away because it's not all fucking unicorns and dildos. It's if it's you polished a turd a little bit with that result, and now the turd's back and it's stinking. A 1-0 loss at home to Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace, fair play. They can beat a big Don on their day. But I saw Eric Ten Hag come out and say after the game, no disrespect to Crystal Palace, but every time Man United play Crystal Palace, they should win. And I totally agree. Man United are the biggest club in the world.
0: But nothing's given in football.
1: Nothing's given in football, but Man United are the biggest club in the world. And if they don't go into every game, no matter if it's Crystal Palace, no matter if it's Arsenal, Chelsea, Man City, Luton, they should go into every game and think they should win. So i back Aaron to Eric Ten Hag in that sense. But you didn't win. And you've not been winning for a while now. Coulda, shoulda, woulda. Coulda, shoulda, woulda. I made a note here. United literally never dominate a game of football and then go win. Yeah, no, you you pointing this out early doors this season. And I back it. Why has Eric Ten Hag struggled so long? Now, he's been there a year and a year and a half? No, about a year and a, a quarter to impart his Ajax philosophy of Playing out from the back, retain possession, quick transitions. Trophy and football, mate. Why is it taking him so long to do that? You've seen Pochettino, I don't think he's had great results, but I can see quicker what he's trying to do with that Chelsea side in seven games than Ten Hag's had about seventy games. Why? I don't think Pochettino Pochettino's a specifically uh, particularly better manager than Ten Hag. I'd say they'd probably even kill her, if I'm honest. I just think there's so much But why is much... he taking so long to get get I don't really working. know
0: what his approach is but I think he's going for this like authoritarian like discipline and... And I like that approach. vibe. I like that yeah, he's... Yeah, but it's no, only worked no so shit. well because the vibe around the club is dead. Yes, it, 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 mate. There is no pulse at the minute at Man United. Yeah, I like
1: the kind of stance he took on Ronaldo. I like the stance he took on Anthony and James Sancho. The James Sancho one I'm a little bit like... Mm. But I like... A manager that makes bold decisions. That's what. But I mate, like that's when...
0: like that's like two hundred million pounds worth of players yeah, that he can't work with. Yeah. At what point are you not a good man manager because you're just you just trying to lay down the law?
1: I don't know. Like I liken it back to Arteta doing the same with Ozil and Aubameyang. Is a, a, not in terms of transfer value, but in terms of wages, it's about the same amount. Like they were both on like three hundred k each. So I like when a manager knows his like vibe and doesn't want kind of toxic players in and around the changing room. But that only works if the results are right and the performances are right. And neither of those, like Arteta had that. He had performances going well when he made the big decisions. Ted Hogg doesn't have that right now.
0: Yeah, I don't know. For me, I think it's Roy Hodgson. I think he's class top man. I actually think he might be like one of the GOAT Premier League managers. I think, yeah, he's. Longevity is disgusting. Yeah, I think he's one of those managers like Ancelotti that like doesn't get his flowers. The first manager to ever not wait, what, what was it like? Five games without losing at my, uh, Old Trafford. Yeah, in a row. Yeah, nuts. One of them was with Watford, mate. Come on, that's nuts. And he's
1: yeah, I don't. He's yeah, he's an absolute guy. He's been him around.
0: and his um, assistant manager. I can't remember what his name is. Oh, um, yes, it used to be at Leicester, Craig Shakespeare. Is it that? Thing? No, no. I'll get it up but he, yeah. he I just love the duo they're a dynamic duo and I just think yeah yeah
1: no I like what he's doing I like Crystal Palace right now Ray Lewington Ray Lewington
0: I knew- I, I just, oh yeah bro they're just the they're just the duo Then they are them guys we are them boys and I just yeah I want them to do like a Pete and Baz style cypher <laughs> I think that would be so good that would be good maybe we edit one just get some AI yeah a but yeah, Stinky was up for May United. We saw a the weekend where Brighton held six at Villa. Liverpool got done dirty by oh, some dicks. bald white men. Yeah. yeah,
1: fuck the bald white men every time.
0: Man City got done dirty by that Korean guy. And then May United, you just he's just bad. Arsenal also
1: won 4-0. Although the ladies on their first game of the season did lose 1-0 to Liverpool. Do you
0: see... Um, Lauren James saying she would take Prime Eden Hazard over Prime yeah, Messi. That's asset L, you've just damaged the reputation of the women's game by saying silly things like that. Don't say silly things when you're on TV. Say on podcasts; it's fine. Yeah, but not on TV. Zero hesitation. Podcasts you can edit it out. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, thank you guys for watching. It's been board draw episode number sixty-five. Uh, we have got some good content coming up for we you. We do. The next two videos are huge. Yeah, we're going to be taking a little hiatus. We'll be away. In Turkey. Getting with, some sun. With a, few, a few of the boys that you've seen on the podcast. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we've got some videos lined up for you, so don't worry about it. The content will be coming thick and fast. If you're not already involved, get involved. Once again, with the Gabrielle Martinelli shirt giveaway. Very simple to do. And uh, yeah, remember to hit that subscribe button if you're not already subscribed. We do appreciate it. The numbers are flying up. 10K by Christmas. That's my aim. That would Let's be make outrageous. it happen. If that happens, Roz is going to do something
1: mental. Write in the comments what I should do for 10K. Because I'll do it. He will do it. Thank you guys for watching this board draw and it's live.